0: Hey there, friends. Welcome back. Thanks as always for joining me on this edition of the Keto for Women show. And today is a part two of last week's episode where I shared my whole health history and everything I've been through basically in the past five years with a lot of detail because it's a long story. And as you saw last week, I thought that I would get through it. Way quicker than I actually did because there's just a lot of layers. There's a lot of things that happened. And so I wanted to share that with you all in case you found a part of my story that you could resonate with or just let you know that I have probably been in a very similar situation, at least mentally and emotionally to you at some point. If you are someone that's currently battling some health issues and yeah, just kind of let you know that I've been there. I get it and you will get past it. So hopefully I provided some of that hope for some of you out there listening to last week's episode. And now we are going to continue with the 10 things that I do now that I have gone through all of that stuff in the past five years with my health. I've gotten to a place where I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my entire life. Now, what do I do to maintain it? Because if you're someone who has been through this and has gotten healthy and then maybe had a Backslide, you know how easily things can go downhill from this high point that you're at if you don't maintain it and take care of yourself for the long term. So you can't just get healthy and then let everything slide again. That's not how this works, unfortunately, because that would be really easy. But nothing is easy that is worth it, right? So now I will go through all of the things that I personally do to stay healthy and continue on this journey that I have been on. So that's today. But first, of course, there's some things we need to chat about. First of all, I wanted to clarify a few things about the new sponsor that we have, the Fat Fuel Company, which I absolutely adore, and I really, really want you guys to try it. However, we keep getting our wires crossed, and the coupon code has been an issue. The website has been an issue. How to order has been an issue. So if you've had trouble getting your coupon code to work for Bat Fuel Company, I have an answer. We've got it straightened out, and now you can go ahead and get your hands on these pre-packaged little packets of cocoa and coffee. So the entire little packet has all the coffee that you want and need and or cocoa, the grass-fed butter powder, the coconut oil powder, the MCT oil powder. They are so fantastic. They're so easy and they're so flavorful. I can tell you For sure, no question, this hot cocoa will be your go-to kind of like sweet craving treat if you ever have those anymore, which I know a lot of us don't if we're keto. But if that ever happens, you will run for this cocoa, especially now that it's getting chilly for those of us that live in places that have climate changes. You will want this as part of your treat idea selection. The coffee is great, obviously, in the morning, and it's just both are so great to travel with. Even if you just go to work every day and you can take this and have that as your breakfast or part of your breakfast or even just a mid-morning snack, all of it is so great, so convenient. It whips right up in your cup just with some hot water. Easy, easy peasy. Now, here's the deal. You can go to fatfuelcompany.com or you can search for them on Amazon, Amazon. And use the coupon code keto the number four women to get 20% off your order. That's keto the number four women for 20% off your order, both at fatfuelcompany.com and on Amazon. That will work right at your checkout window and you'll be good to go. And you can try both of these for 20% off, which is so, so awesome. And you're going to love them. So that's the first thing. The second thing. If you happen to, and I unfortunately missed the window for me to share this information on the podcast, but I was part of the Going Beyond the Food project with my friend Stephanie Dodier, who has been on the podcast now twice, and I know a lot of you connected with her message. She did a summit. And it was all about obviously going beyond the food. And I was lucky to be a part of it. And I got to speak about something more than food, which for me as a nutritionist doesn't happen that often, but I have a whole nother section about overall wellness that I don't speak about a lot. And that is the mindset piece and shifting your mindset. And that wasn't even something that I talked about in last week, how my whole story during that transition, during my time of trying to get better, I went through all of the physical things that I did to get better, but I didn't talk about the insane emotional change and mental change that happened in that process because there was a very low, low, low point for me and I had to get out of it. And the only way I got out of it was changing my mindset. So this is not something I talk about in super great detail here on the podcast or on my social media channels or in my emails or anything like that. But it is something I'm really passionate about. So luckily Stephanie got it out of me on her summit. So if you were a part of that summit and you enjoyed what you heard, let me know over on my social media channels or comment on my posts or my podcast posts or something like that. And let me know because if I get enough interest, I will do an episode or two here on the show talking about that change and what it did for me and what it can do for you and how important it is. It will be something that in 2019 I plan to bring into my business more and more. So I'll do it here to start potentially and see how you guys react to that and then go from there and I could potentially even get Stephanie to come back on the show to interview me to help me get this message out there because to be honest the main reason why I haven't talked about it is it's really hard to talk about it's just hard to convey the message in words to convey that change and the mindset shifts that need to happen it's not an easy thing to get across I think so to have someone who has also done that which is the case for Stephanie and really believes it it asks you the right questions really helps. So hopefully you all got a chance to be a part of that summit. If it's still available by the time this airs, I will provide a link in the show notes. I think it might be. I think you have a little bit of time to get your hands on that. So I will provide a link in the show notes if that's the case, and you can go ahead and check that out. And then another thing is I'm super excited to be nominated for Best Keto podcast. In the 2018 Keto Awards hosted by the Keto Summit, I think it's a brand new thing. I don't think there's ever been Keto Awards before, not that I know of, but first ever, and I have been nominated for Best Keto Podcast. I would love, love, love to win because who doesn't like to win things, right? So if you truly believe that this is the Best Keto Podcast, then go and vote for me. I would absolutely love that. I adore all of you and any support you can give me is so, so appreciated. I will provide a link in the show notes to do that as well. I also posted about it in my social media, both on Instagram and Facebook with the link. So you can head to either one and go to my bio or go to that post and you will see the link that you can just click on and head over to vote. The voting takes like under a minute. I did it myself and it was really fast and easy, especially if you have other favorite things in the keto realm. You can choose kind of an influencer that you like, a book you like, recipes you like, things like that. So it's really fun. So go ahead and do that for me. I would so appreciate it. And also on that subject, today as I'm recording, I'm very fired up because I had to take a health assessment for my insurance this morning and It just really infuriated me when they asked me the questions about my dietary choices. So basically it was a whole page about what I'm doing to prevent future disease and kind of what risk I would be at for my potential choices. And so there was a choice about how many times I eat red meat per day, of course, not asking if it's grain-fed or grass-fed, which makes all the difference in the world, which we know here on the Keto for Women show because we talk about that a lot, something I'm very passionate about. But also, if I was eating at least one serving of low-fat dairy per day, which they're taking to be a good thing, if I was eating at least three servings of whole grains per day, which they take to be a good thing, and if my dressings were more mayo-based or more oil-based, which the mayo-based would be a bad thing, however, again, not asking what that oil is made of or what that mayo is made of, which makes a huge difference as we know here on Keto for Women. And it's just obvious that they are taking the information that the government mandated at this point and going by that to determine my future health risk and not looking because I also had to provide my latest blood pressure readings, my latest blood sugar readings, my HbA1c, my cholesterol, my triglycerides, all of this stuff, which is perfect. And we'll talk about that coming up when I talk about how my health has changed over the past few years. So they knew all that information. And then they saw that, yes, I eat red meat more than four times a day. It's grass-fed, but they don't care. I don't eat dairy of any sort. I do eat butter or butter equivalent more than twice per week, which was another question. I don't eat whole grains. And yet my markers are better than the vast, vast, vast majority of the people that are taking that health risk assessment. And probably answering those questions in the way they want to answer, and yet their blood sugar is a mess, their cholesterol is a mess, their triglycerides are off the chart. Everything isn't adding up, and yet nobody's looking at that. And it drives me insane, as you can tell, and I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way. So then it's like, well, what do we do? And I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. I wish there was more that we could do or a more obvious answer of the steps that we could take, but I do know that... We can all do our part in just spreading the word. And this is something that I've talked about before on the podcast. It's something that I just want to reiterate again. I try not to totally bombard you with this kind of message, but I do want to reiterate that you, as your own individual person, just doing your own health journey and doing your own thing, you have a responsibility to some degree to start spreading that health message too. So a lot of times we get in our own bubble and I'm very guilty of this too, especially around my family and things that have no interest in what I'm doing for my health and don't believe me and all this stuff. And I know a lot of you can relate to that, but we still have a responsibility to share what we know and to provide insight to other people. It may not be the people, and it won't be actually, the people that don't believe you or don't care and think you're crazy, but there are other people in your life that could be ready for this information, and it's up to you to share it. Now, it doesn't have to come from you. That's the thing, and this is why I have this podcast is because I want it to be a resource for The women in this world who are ready to change their health. And yes, we talk about keto a lot. Keto is a great place to start. And we'll talk about the importance of keto today as we do every other episode, obviously. But as you all know too, there is so much more information provided in this podcast beyond keto. And it's just for overall health as a woman, but a lot of this pertains to the men in our lives too, as I'm sure you can recognize. So, We have this responsibility to spread the word and spreading the word will eventually help. If it's one person at a time, that's great. But the more that we feel comfortable talking about it, the more that we share how our health has changed in the positive direction because we're eating more fat, because we're eating grass-fed red meat, because we took out the low-fat dairy, the more that we can talk about that, it will be harder and harder for our government, our traditional medicine care to deny, to just turn a blind eye. Right now, that's what they're doing. Even though they know that something needs to be done and it doesn't add up, they're turning a blind eye. And eventually it will get to the point where that can't happen because there's too many people getting results in the opposite way. And so even if that's going to the doctor and sharing what you're doing and looking at the numbers and when they ask you, even if they don't ask you, just be open and share what you're doing, share that you're doing keto, that you're eating a high fat diet and a low carb diet and you took out the grains, even if they look at you like you're crazy, which a lot of them will do, it doesn't matter. We're still breaking that barrier. And so if you want to share, that's great. I would love for you to share this podcast with anyone that you think may benefit. Again, even if it is a man, and even if they don't totally respond to the information about our hormones and our periods and our menopause and all that stuff that we talk about so much here, there still is a lot of information to be gained here for men too. And beyond keto, even if someone's not interested in keto... As I mentioned, there's still a lot to be gained in learning more about your body and your dietary choices, whether you want to be keto or not. And I hope this is a place where you all feel that you can send people to to get that information and to slowly start changing the system, because I really do think this is what we all can do. I wish there were more, but it's a start. Right. So let's just continue with this movement. I really believe that we are part of a movement right now, whether you believe it or not, and you think you're just in your bubble doing your own thing, you are part of a movement. And so take action in that movement and help us all start breaking down those walls because it's just annoying. Like I don't want to have to do that assessment every single year and get more and more frustrated. So let's get that changed in the next few years. (laughs) That would be a huge goal, right? Okay, I'll stop talking now because I have a lot to share about what we're talking about today, 10 whole things. And I kind of teased about them last week at the end of the show, just talking about the other things I do besides keto to stay healthy. But now we're going to go into detail now to refresh and just to kind of, I guess, tie up some loose ends with last week's episode. First of all, I want to thank you all for being so responsive to last week's episode. It's always hard. When I recorded that episode, I didn't really think twice about sharing so openly about everything I went through. And then as it got closer and closer to the release date, I got more and more nervous, I think, just to see how it was taken in and the response and what people would think. And I think it's Honestly, just because I don't want to talk about myself for an entire episode, but it happened and it's going to happen again, but only with the goal of helping you determine your own path to getting and staying healthy. But thank you all for the positive responses. It really helped to know that that was received well. And let's move on. What I want to say first and foremost is, I guess, just give you an update. So I, I kind of let off abruptly just saying, yeah, I'm healthy now. So I went through all that. I went through all the protocols and there were a lot of protocols. There were tons of supplements. There were some medications involved that are very specific to healing mold. I was on thyroid medication for a while too for my Hashimoto's. There was a lot involved in getting to that point of being well. As I mentioned, a whole nother layer that was my mindset shifts that happened, which we'll talk about in a separate episode, but I did eventually get well. And it was over the course of, like I mentioned, a year and a half before I felt normal and back to myself. And then from there for the last six months, I've been progressing beyond what I ever knew to be like myself, beyond feeling as well as I could, even better than I ever expected. So, we'll talk about what I've done in the past six months today. But what that meant so, the markers I was looking at, the very first thing that changed was in my mental clarity. So, that happened very quickly after I went keto. I really got my mental clarity back. I got my sleep back, which had been kind of an issue for a while. I started getting some energy back after that. So that was another marker I was looking for. And to the point where I eventually got to a point, I would say probably six months in to where I could work out at a somewhat elevated intensity and be okay the next day, which was something I couldn't do. And my markers were getting better. So I had inflammatory markers that are specific to mold that were improving and improving and improving every single time until they were, you know, within range of being a normal human, which was great. And my autoimmune disease, so Hashimoto's, those antibodies were going down, down, down to the point where they were normal range. Everything was just slowly coming back into alignment and it corresponded with how I felt, of course. And as I mentioned, the weight gain was a huge piece to me noticing that something was wrong when I started getting sick because that didn't add up to anything I knew about weight gain. So with the lowering of the inflammation, the inflammatory marker, that started to reduce my weight gain because it was a lot to do with inflammation. It was very much inflammatory weight. It was different than a fat gain. It was like almost water retention. If you've ever been so inflamed that you gain weight, you totally understand what I'm saying. It's a very different kind of weight gain. And so that started to reduce at a very slow rate. So I, like I said, it took a year and a half and it took a year and a half to lose the, I'd say, I I don't know. I don't have no idea how much weight I've lost because I completely throughout my scale. I haven't been on a scale in months and months and months, but I would say I'm back to my quote unquote normal weight where my body likes to sit if I don't manipulate everything possible to try to change that and get lower. But if I just live my life, my body sits at a certain weight, which is the case for you too, whether you've ever seen it or not, it's there. But I've gotten back to that kind of happy weight and it took a year and a half. To get there because it was a slow process because everything else had to come into alignment, also. And that's where I come from when I say you will lose weight and you will get to your body's happy place when everything else is also happy, when you've dealt with all the other things going on in your body that are keeping you out of balance. So, again, I say that with experience. I'm not just saying that because I don't want to discuss your weight loss or your weight gain. I'm not saying it because of that, I'm saying that you're not looking at all of the other things. I know you're not because then you wouldn't have that question about why you're not losing weight. I never had that question because I knew my body was super unhappy. But see, now I'm getting worked up again. See, I think I I came into this episode already being worked up from the health assessment and now it's being translated into this episode. So just, I apologize in advance. (laughs) But Again, something where I come from experience to say that. And so I want you all to remember that and know that and do something in your power that you can do if you still have that question, because you shouldn't have that question. You should know exactly why you are not losing weight because you know so much more about your body and your health status. And then just to kind of sum all this up, I did just get my markers tested. It was just a normal blood test I do every year with all of the pretty much the standard stuff on it. But I was able to kind of confirm everything that I had believed when I looked at my markers from two years ago, which was kind of when I was just starting to feel better. I was kind of on the upswing. I had just started keto, but I looked at those markers and then I looked now, after two years of being keto, after two years of of doing everything that we're going to talk about today, and what an improvement. I didn't have blood sugar issues going in. I didn't have cholesterol issues going in, but just to see how much everything had just gotten even better, even more tightened up because of the changes that I have made to my health. And The coolest thing I thought is that when I took those tests back in 2016, I was on thyroid medication for my Hashimoto's and I don't recommend this, but at one point in the past, I don't know, guess maybe six months, I realized that I just didn't need it anymore. I almost felt like I was too hyper and it was affecting my sleep. I had insomnia when I was taking the medication and so I got off my medication and it was nice to see that my markers for my thyroid are better now unmedicated and just doing keto and just living my healthy lifestyle and doing these nine other things besides keto that we'll talk about. So they're better now than they were in 2016 on medication. And like I said, I do not recommend that, but if you do think that you are over-medicated or perhaps don't need your thyroid medication anymore, talk to your doctor and see if they're willing to help you get off. That's what I will say about that. And another thing, I think it's really important and a cool thing to, for you to do to keep track of those health records too, to go back and see what you were two years ago, five years ago, whatever, in comparison to now. So make sure you're getting your yearly checkups and compare because it will make you feel really good about what you're doing. All right, let's talk about these 10 things. So as I mentioned, and I talked about last week, the first one is, of course, keto. And like I said, it is not a strict keto. It's not a structured keto. There are no rules to my keto. For me, and I think this is the case for a lot of people, being too strict with food puts me in a bad place. It puts me in a place of obsession and counting and not seeing food for what it is. And this is again, something that I, when I do talk about food freedom and intuitive eating, it's something that comes from experience because I have that personality where it can very easily become a slippery slope to where I'm just following rules. I'm just looking at numbers and I don't want to do that ever, ever again. Now that I've been on the other side and I see how wonderful it is over here just to eat what sounds good and not worry too much about anything. It's, what works for me. It's what keeps my obsession under wraps. And that also means it keeps my stress in check because whether you realize it or not, it is so stressful on your body to calculate food, to track food on your app, to worry about calculations, all that stuff. You may not think it is, but it is stressful. It is a stressor to have so much strict structure going on with your food choices. And I don't want that. My whole goal, as you'll see with all of this, is to stay as stress-free as I can because my body is very sensitive to stress. And I think the majority of you listening are also very sensitive to stress, whether you know it yet or not. But I can't take any chances on being stressed out. Like I run my own business. That's about as much stress as I can handle. And I try to make that as chill as I possibly can. As you may have noticed, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, or just even things I say on the show. So I just can't, I can't take that chance. And that comes in my food choices as well. So all I care about is that I make sure that I fuel myself appropriately based on what I know I need as far as nutrients in order to stay balanced, like the micronutrients, but then also what I need to fuel my workouts. And I do enjoy pushing myself. That is something that I missed deeply when I was sick and I couldn't work out to my capacity because I just wouldn't be able to get out of bed the next day if I did. But now to be able to do that and for it to only enhance the amount of energy I have when I do push myself and it just feels so good. It's just, I don't know, it's the best feeling for me so empowering, but I need to make sure that I'm fueling myself properly for those workouts. I don't rely on being quote unquote fat fueled for those workouts. And I don't recommend that either because you're just not going to get the benefits that you are looking for in building muscle and building strength and building endurance when you just think that you're fat fueled and you don't have to alternatively fuel your workouts. So, Yeah. I just really want to make sure that I have the right amount of fuel, which means eating enough food every single day. That's one of the many reasons why I don't fast. And secondly, I just want to be happy. My whole thing is I do just want to be happy. And happiness to me does not equal counting my calories, counting my fat grams, counting my protein grams, my carb grams, putting all of this stuff in an app at every single meal, like that to me does not equal happiness at all. That seems really restrictive. And that seems like something that's going to take me away from the things that do make me happy. All right. So that's number one. Talked about that last week, but of course I had to mention it again because this is the Keto for Women show and keto has truly saved me. It really, really got me my life back. I don't know where I would be if I didn't go into a ketogenic state when I did because those ketones have completely changed my health and my body. I think it's doing that for you too, for a lot of you. And the only thing is that it takes time. You can't start producing ketones and expect everything to just magically disappear. That is a very long-term health goal to have ketones running through your blood for an extended period of time and you will see the changes. So please be patient even some of these other things that I talk about today, and you too will be able to say the same thing about keto. I can pretty much guarantee it. But if you don't, no big deal. It's not the right thing for you. And that's okay too. But make sure you're giving it enough of a chance first, I guess. All right. Number two is movement. So as I just talked about, I appreciate and adore challenging myself most days of the week in the gym in different ways. Actually, I won't even say the gym because a lot of times me challenging myself is out on the trails of Boulder and hiking or running or sprinting, something like that. But it's a love-hate relationship for sure. And so I, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, well, I hate working out. So it's not for me. It's not something I need to include. It's not that it's not that I go to the gym every day and I'm super excited to barely be able to lift the weight off the floor or whatever it may be, or have to do so many push-ups that my arms are shaking or something like that. That's not the case. It's not like I super excited for that, but I know how powerful that movement is for my health. And how important it is for my future health. Now here is something, I don't know if I've shared anywhere ever since becoming a nutritionist, but back when I was a personal trainer, I mainly worked with the senior population. So most of my clients were over the age of 55, I'd say. And I preferred that. That's what I wanted my niche to be because it's so different to train someone who wants to just move a little better and become stronger than it is to train the 35-year-old, the 30-year-old who wants to lose 10 pounds before they get into a bikini next month. And I think that now, as you all know, my personality and what I feel about you know, rapid weight loss or unhealthy weight loss, you can see that that wouldn't be a fit for me, <laughs> but... These people, these seniors that I trained had so much appreciation for when they could lift their arms above their head without pain or be able to balance on one foot for 30 seconds where they couldn't do that coming in to see me. So that's now kind of the same mentality that I have with my workouts and I want you to have with your workouts as well because you have to move. I'm going to tell you that right now and I've said it in so many episodes, it's not going anywhere. I'm not going to change my mind. You have to move your body in a somewhat challenging way most days of the week. It doesn't have to be lifting a bunch of weight. It doesn't have to be running a certain amount of miles. It can be something that you enjoy and want to do to some degree. Like I said, you don't have to love it like me, but you do have to at least appreciate what it's doing for your body. I'm just going to say that. Now let me get back to my story about my seniors. So for me, that's how I approach fitness and I want you to approach fitness is just doing it for your health and your future health and what I call aging gracefully. Because if you do not move, you will not age gracefully. I can tell you by the amount of 55, 60, 65, 70, 75, 80 year olds I trained, they did not move enough in their earlier years and boy, did they pay for it. I cannot even tell you. And I can tell those that did. The right things prior to aging and being, quote unquote, a senior, had a totally different story, a totally different health status than those that didn't. And then were trying to make up for it by coming to see me and working out for the first time when they were 50 or 60 versus leading up to that being really, really active. So... Do not approach fitness with the idea of it being something to help you lose the last 10 pounds, to make you less wiggly and jiggly, but approach it from the perspective of it being a necessary vital piece to you and your health status in the future. And I'm talking potentially 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the future, depending on how old you are now. But it's really something that you have to think about now. You have got to do it. And so for me, like I mentioned, I challenge myself quite often now because I do have the energy. I didn't have the energy to challenge myself when I was sick. In the past five years, I really had to take it easy. I had to go day by day. I never made any plan of what my workout would be because I didn't know how I would feel that day. So you might be there, but I still moved. I walked a lot. I did home workouts with the weights that I did have, which were like, you know, 25 pound kettlebell, 35 pound kettlebell. I did that stuff. I danced a lot because dancing makes me so happy. And sometimes I just needed to be really happy. So I did a lot of dancing and and hiking and walking, that kind of stuff that would be challenging at that time for my body, it was still challenging. Now taking a three mile walk wouldn't be challenging for me, but it was at that time because that's where I was at. So your challenging movement is going to be different than my challenging movement, but still finding that sweet spot where you can push your body just a little bit. It's a hormetic stressor, which means it's a stressor that actually helps build up your stress capabilities and your health capabilities. It reduces your inflammation. It boost your immune system, all this stuff. It's a good stress and it's a very temporary stress when you work out and challenge yourself in those workouts, but you have to play it by ear and make sure your body is ready for it that day. And if you don't, and this is the case for me, I rest when I need to rest. When I feel sore or my body just feels tired or even just walking upstairs seems like a task, I rest. And I don't do anything that day. And I make room for at least two of those types of days per week. One may be an active rest where I go do yoga or take a walk or a light hike, something like that. But I make sure to rest. I think that's something that if you are someone that works out, you haven't quite thought of that part too, where you do really need to rest. So my advice to you is, of course, you have to move. My other advice is you have to do a different movement pattern. Obviously, we can't sit all day. Sitting is so bad for you. (laughs) So even if, if it's a case where you stand up and walk around your office for a little bit or do some jumping jacks or even just get on the floor and stretch it out, throughout the day, you have to be in a different movement pattern. So if you have a standing desk, you can stand, but then A lot of us don't have good posture when we stand either. So we're putting ourselves into a bad place there too. Like that's the case for me. When I stand, I'm very left dominant. So I'll notice myself putting all my weight on my left side. That's not good for me either. So I just make sure that I'm always in different movement patterns. So sometimes I sit, sometimes I stand, sometimes I lay on my bed, sometimes I lay on the floor. You know, this is all if I'm working with my laptop, but it's really important to do that and not sit all day. And that also goes for your workouts too. It's really important to not do the same thing. So you can't just take the same walk around the same block every single day as your workouts. You've got to mix it up. So there has to be a few different things that you can do to mix up your workouts. So things that multiple things that you enjoy that are movement and are pushing yourself find those things, those classes, whatever they are, and mix it up and be sure to do that. So I make sure I hike sometimes, I run sometimes, I sprint sometimes, I lift heavy weights. Sometimes Sometimes I just go to a circuit training type class. I do basically all of those in a one week time frame. And it really works for me and it really works for my body. And just remember, it's not about the calories you're burning. Don't even look at the calories you're burning, even on your like Apple Watch or whatever that's supposed to be somewhat accurate, it's not. It's not accurate because it's not inside your body. It has no idea what you're doing, what your metabolism's like. It just doesn't know that. So don't even look at that. I don't even wear my Apple Watch to work out anymore, to be honest, because it just annoys me because I get really obsessed. Again, personality type, I get really obsessed with my heart rate and I want to have my heart rate at a certain point. And that's just not healthy for me to even think about. So if I don't have my Apple watch on, I don't think about it and it works out way better. So I haven't worn my Apple watch in months to work out. So change that mentality to just caring about being healthy now and in the future and doing the right thing for your body, not calories, not to lose weight, not to get thinner, all those things that we typically go to the gym for. Before we get going with today's episode, I just want to remind you all about Rasa coffee. You guys all know how much I love Rasa coffee by now, but I've just tried something and I have to share it with you all. If you've not tried the coffee alternative Rasa coffee iced you absolutely have to. So you brew it, I brew it in the morning as normal, and then I put it in the refrigerator and wait until later in the day, like three o'clock, four o'clock-ish as my afternoon snack. It's become an iced rasa coffee with some full-fat creamy coconut milk and a dash of cinnamon. It is so good. You all have to to try it. And the best part is, is that I feel really good drinking it because I know that it's doing great things for my adrenals, for my detoxification pathways, and for just having a little bit of a natural energy boost to get me through the rest of the day. There's no caffeine, there's no sugar, there's no gluten, there's no dairy, there's nothing else in it, but these amazing adaptogenic herbs that are so great for our adrenals and the rest of our body. They've also created this perfect recipe of these herbs that makes it taste amazing. It's not really a flavor I can describe because it doesn't taste like coffee, but it really does make an amazing coffee alternative, so a really good substitute. So whether you're looking to break your caffeine habit, which I think you all know I highly recommend for a lot of women that they do, especially if they are having issues with their adrenal health, This is a really great option, even if you use it to start weaning yourself off caffeine or you mix it with some decaf. That's a really great option too. It's also really good in like a bulletproof style, so you can do that with your morning beverage. So no matter what, you have a purpose for Rasa Coffee in your life and you are going to love it. And because they are sponsors of the Keto for Women show, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping when you use the coupon code keto women 10. So you will head to rasa slash keto for women and use the coupon code keto women 10 to get 10% off your order. We will have all that information linked in the show notes. So you can head there right now. Use that link to grab your 10% off and get yourself some amazing coffee alternative. You will love it. All right. Number three, non-toxic living i talked about this before. I think maybe I had a whole podcast about it. I can't remember. So this was something that I really put into place once I realized that I was getting so much toxic exposure from the mold. I realized that I needed to detox the rest of my life because my body was just in total overload. And to be honest, whether you are in a moldy place or not, which luckily most of you aren't, I think, whether that's an issue for you or not. We are still getting exposed to so many toxins every single day that we as humans are not built to be able to handle. There is so much more toxic exposure in this world, the current state of the world that we live in, and everything being just like different colors and different flavors and different scents and all that stuff that we don't have the ability to properly detox from. And our liver is overburdened and it's bad. So, It's really important for all of us to get into this non toxic living space. The great thing is, it's becoming more obvious and more easy to do so because there are a lot of really great products out there. They're like a tiny bit more expensive, maybe, but you know, it's worth it, of course. And it's really not that much more expensive to switch to safer. Living things. So, what I'm talking about would be your household products. So, the cleaners that you use, oh man, those are just loaded with chemical stuff, like just not good at all, especially if they are a different color. So, if you have blue Tide or whatever, not good. Dyes are not good for us at all. But there's also a ton of other stuff in Tide that's also not good for us. And I don't have the specifics. You can go to ewg.org and kind of look things up. You look up your products and see how toxic they are. It's kind of interesting. You can get really down a rabbit hole on that website. So you go there and you can find out more about your actual products. But yes, so any cleaners or detergents or anything like that, really start switching those out I really like the Myers brand. I use that for a lot. I use a lot of doTERRA oils and just make my own with vinegar. And they have a special cleaning concentrate that I really love. So those are a few brands you can look at. You can get Myers, I think, at most conventional stores so you don't even have to go looking on a special website or anything but if you do have a thrive market account they have some really great products on there for your household but also skincare is the next one again we've talked about this a lot you know how passionate i am about this and why i only use primarily pure type products or i make my own essential oil based products but this includes things like your shampoo your soap your lotion, all those things. Again, you can go to like a Whole Foods or even on Thrive Market and find some really good brands there. Primely Pure is great. As we know, they were a proud sponsor of the podcast. I like John Master's Organics hair products. I just started using those and they're really great. So that's my new fave but also your plastics. So check out the amount of plastic that you have in your house, especially things like Tupperware. Like I switched to all glass Tupperware. I switched to all glass kind of like bottles. I use mason jars to store things. Anything I'm using on my face or on my skin is all coming from glass now and not plastic. So just get rid of as much plastic as you can. I think honestly, it it might be close to impossible to get rid of all plastic because our whole life is plastic at This point, but do what you can in your household at least, and that will really make a difference. And I think the first step is definitely in your Tupperware because your food is being stored there, and it's absorbing the toxins from the plastic. And especially if you're heating it, like in the microwave or something, that is not good. So change that out. Easy switch. Obviously, in your food choices. I mean, we talk about the quality of the foods all the time on here. And that just, uh, again, goes into non-toxic living, especially with organic ingredients and grass-fed meats and pasture-raised pork and chicken, things like that to where they're not being fed toxic things to their body, which then would be introduced to us as toxins as well. So that's the easiest way to think about it. What would a chicken or a pig or a cow think of as toxic, their body, what would be toxic to them is what they're not meant to eat. (laughs) That would be toxic to them. Just as we're not meant to eat like ho-hos, even though we do, and it causes inflammation, the same thing happens to animals if they're not being fed what they are meant to eat. So just think about it that way. Of course, your water and air quality is also important. So for me, I switched to Having a filtration system for my water, it's the Aquasana filtration system. And I use that in my shower and for my drinking water, that made a huge difference. So I really recommend finding that. I think Aquasana is great, but you can do whatever, kind of do some research. Just there's a lot of like a Brita doesn't cut it. You really have to find a high quality, like something that has been lab tested to get rid of like 99% of pollutants and toxic byproducts. And things like that. And then with air, that was something that I had to immediately change, which I did. <laughs> I have a air oasis in my condo that is running all the time, except when I podcast because it's sitting right here. And I don't know if you guys would be able to hear it. It is very quiet, but it's literally right here. So you guys would probably get some background noise if I had it running during my podcast recordings. But I love this thing. It works so well to, again, kind of get out the pollutants and the chemicals and just all the mess of stuff that's in our air quality that affects our air quality right now, even from the outdoors, from the indoors. For me, obviously mold was the main issue. And just in case there were some kind of remnants that perhaps I brought in from, from stuff that belonged to me while I was living in the moldy environment or if there was even just a tiny bit of mold growing somewhere in some this building. I don't know. Thank God there's not. But if that were the case, I just want to make sure that I'm always covered. I think that is a great thing. If you have like seasonal allergies or just really any sort of environmental allergies, allergies. If you suspect mold or something like that in your place, always good to get some air filtration going on. And again, do your research. The Air Oasis, like I said, was my choice. There are a few other great ones out there. Just do your research and make sure that they have really been backed up with their ability to get out the pollutants. So that's my whole non-toxic living. It was a big change. It's kind of nice to have much fewer products in my life, to know that everything's clean and organic and just it's something that makes you just feel a lot better physically. Yes, I honestly think that you all will notice when you stop having so many like weird perfume smells around you, you'll notice that you stop getting headaches and your skin stops breaking out and things like that when you switch to non-toxic products. But it mentally makes you feel better too. just to know that you're kind of taking care of yourself and your family in that respect as well. All right, number four, something I promised to talk about was my sauna. I do sauna therapy and this is something I started probably about a year ago when I just kind of, I knew it was something that I wanted to do, but basically I had to pull the trigger. And it was something I wanted to do because obviously my body has trouble detoxing. And I think a lot of us, are that way, especially like I mentioned with the amount of things that we are put up against that we have to detox from nowadays. Our livers are all overworked at this point. And I wanted help with that detoxification process because I was obviously having to detox from this mold that had been basically like taking over my body for the past five years, even potentially longer. So I had to really make sure that I was supporting that process, not to mention all the other stuff just in general life that I was trying to detox from too. So I chose to purchase a sauna. I went with the sauna space. I will link to this in the show notes so that you can learn more. Their website's awesome. It has a ton of research articles, a ton of information. It will really, it's a really good place to get information about the sauna and how it can benefit you and you'll want one. Let me just tell you that you're going to want one as soon as you look at that website. But the reason I went with that one in particular, a couple things. I knew I would be moving a few times once having the sauna and I wanted it to be easy to pack up and move and store, which it is. I already moved with it once and it was such a breeze. So, so nice because it does fold out to be a large thing. It's like five by five by five ish. Right now it sits in my closet because luckily I have a big walk-in closet. And I have to be honest that when I was house hunting, And my realtor thought I was insane. (laughs) And the other realtor we met thought I was insane that I needed to have room for my sauna. And that was like the biggest thing on my list for when I was trying to find my perfect home. So it now sits in my closet and I still have plenty of room for my clothes. So it works out really well, but it is a rather large thing. And I wanted it to be portable. I wanted it to be able to fit easily in places, but... I also wanted it to be a near-infrared sauna instead of a far-infrared sauna. So if you do any sauna research, you'll see that there are the two different types. For me, I really care about EMFs to some degree. I have to be honest, I don't know enough about them. Like there's so much information about EMFs, which stands for electromagnetic fields, that it's overwhelming and I don't really know what steps to take and what steps aren't necessary. I have a lot to learn about on that subject. If any of you know somebody that knows a lot, let me know, and maybe we'll have them on the podcast because I would love to get more information for all of us. But I do know that reducing your EMF exposure is a top priority for healthy living, and the near-infrared has at least close to no EMF readings, whereas the FAR does. So that was a deciding factor, too, for my sauna space. So like I said, I really wanted to help with detoxification, right? And the thing with a near-infrared sauna that's different from just like going to a sauna at the spa or the gym or whatever, that basically you just walk into this room and it's super hot and you sweat and then you leave. The difference is when you are into infrared sauna, it kind of heats you from the inside out so it's raising your body temperature from the inside internally outward whereas a traditional sauna would just heat the top of your skin to make you sweat and then you leave and it's never really penetrating internally so that's really the biggest difference as far as infrared and the near infrared that I went with but when you do that, when you raise your body temperature like that from the inside out, it induces cellular detoxification. So I kind of think it's very similar to like when you're fasting and you're working on autophagy, which is basically just a cleansing of those old dead cells. It's kind of the same thing where you're detoxing from a cellular level, which is like number one priority for me and, and honestly the rest of my life to stay in that to really make sure that all of my cells... Are healthy and to completely just get rid of those that aren't healthy and start over. I think that's a really great, great thing for future health. So that was the first and main thing that I wanted. I wanted that detoxification on a cellular level, which is different than just going into any old sauna. But it also improves blood circulation, so it gets your blood flowing a little better, which is always important. It increases collagen production, which really shows up in your skin. So I noticed within the first probably two or three weeks of doing regular sauna therapy, my skin looked so much better. It really, really shows in your skin quality, and that's because of the collagen production. So yeah, of course, it's great to take collagen, but if you can actually provoke your body to produce more in the skin, then that's obviously even better. It also reduces cellular inflammation. So very good for your inflammatory processes and it activates anti-aging. So I read all these benefits and it's like, well, yes, sign me up immediately. (laughs) That is what I want. And that is what I really needed at that point. And I still do. I do the sauna when I was really working to get well and wanting to get better. I was doing it pretty much every day. I would say about five days a week. Now I'm down to about two days a week. And that's kind of my maintenance mode. I have to admit, I did not do it over the summer very much because it's just when it's hot, outside, it's so hard to get in a sauna. But now that the temperatures have gone down here in Boulder, I've gone back to my two time per week regimen and it works really, really well. And I just, I love it. It's such a great time. The cool thing is if you are someone that's a really stressed out person, even if you don't, realize it or not, it basically forces your body into a parasympathetic state. So there's a lot of things that we try to do, like a lot of stress relieving techniques that we try to do to get ourselves into a parasympathetic state. And to be honest, if you're someone that's kind of chronically turned on, then even like trying to meditate for five minutes a day doesn't get you into that state. Like you're just turned on and your body like doesn't even know how to turn you off, turn you, get you out of that sympathetic state and into a parasympathetic state. So the cool thing about a sauna is it forces that to happen in your body. It works with your nervous system to get you there. So I think that was like kind of my ultimate selling point too, is because at that point and still today, I want to be again, as stress-free as possible. Before we move on with this episode, let me just take a minute to remind you all about the healing power of Bone Broth, and more specifically, Oh So Good Bone Broth, who is a proud Keto for Women sponsor. Bone broth is the best, most nutrient-dense way that you can go to heal your body and heal your gut and improve your skin and nails and hair. The amino acid profile in bone broth is absolutely incredible, something we all need and a lot of us miss on a regular basis, not to mention those micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals also provided naturally in bone broth that work to heal your gut and also to heal your immune system and to keep you healthy and well that's why we are recommended to drink broth when we're sick or when we feel ourselves getting sick and to have that in a package that is so delicious all you have to do is grab a pack of oh so good bone broth out of your freezer let it thaw put it into a pot, and you can use it either in recipes for whatever you're making that day, or my personal favorite is to just drink it straight out of a mug. It's very comforting and warm. I love to do it before bed. It's kind of my nighttime ritual. It calms me down, makes sure that I'm nice and healthy heading into bedtime, and I have those nutrients ready to go. Oh So Good Bone Broth is 100% the best tasting broth out there. It is the best one I have ever had. I've tried them all. I am a huge fan of the flavors of the bone broth that they have there at Oh So Good. My favorite is the Signature. I highly recommend that. A close second is the Spicy Pork. So make sure when you are placing your order with Oh So Good, you grab those two and just give them a try. Let me know if you think they're your favorite too. And Make sure you always have some around. I know you can make your own, but there's just times when all of a sudden you or your family member feels like they're coming down with something and you need some broth immediately, but you don't have any bones. You don't have the time to make some broth. And it's just really nice to have that in the freezer ready to go for whenever you or your family needs it, which really, honestly, it's an everyday thing. You need to be making this a ritual so that it gets into your health Care routine because it is a much needed part of that. So head to ossogoodbones.com and get $10 off your order when you use the code KETO, the number for women. That's O S S O goodbones.com. And use the coupon code KETO, the number for women, to place your order. Get $10 off. Make sure to try all those flavors. Try the soups too. They are phenomenal and so easy to pull out and have around for a quick dinner. Just so great. Everything's so good there. I promise you're going to be obsessed. All right, we'll move on to number five, and then I can't believe this, but I think we're going to have to go into a third edition of this talk with next week's episode, because I don't know. I don't know if I came into this being so fired up about that assessment that now I just want to chat your ear off, but this is taking a really long time to get through. I had no idea. I thought this was all going to be one episode, and boy, was I wrong. So we will do a third one next week with the last five, which are really important, but we'll finish off today with number five, which is mindset. So as I mentioned, and I told you, we talk about this in a future episode in more detail because there's so much more detail that needs to be had. But what I can tell you is that my mindset has 100% changed since before I got sick. And it comes in a few different levels. First of all, as I mentioned, I'm very sensitive to stress. And so now I make it a normal part of my day to do everything I can to stay unstressed, (laughs) to stay as relaxed and as calm as possible, which means lots of stress relieving techniques. And we're going to talk about that. That's a whole nother topic that's coming up next week, but I do that stuff. But five years ago, before I got sick, never thought twice about that. I was always on the go. I was very much a go, go, go person. I was very much type A. I have a tendency to overthink things and I still do, which is why I do some of the stuff, which we'll talk about. And I just had no idea how stressed out my body was. And I just kept putting more and more and more and more stress on it, which as you can see from my story, that stress finally caught up with me. And that stress was why I developed autoimmune diseases, why they kept flaring, why it couldn't get better, why I lost my period on top of, of course, over and under-eating, all that stuff too, it was all very much stress-based. And now, five years later, I can see that. And so I really make sure to keep that in check and to never, ever get back there again. We'll talk about the actual stress management stuff that I do, but a huge piece of the stress management that kind of rolls into it is the mindset. My mindset had to change. It had to go from being this type A personality to being a chill personality, but I also had to go from just Wanting to know all the information, wanting to find out every possible thing that I could, wanting to be on Google 24 hours a day trying to figure out how to get better. It's a cycle. And I know a lot of you can relate to that if you are someone who's like, What's going on with me? I need to figure it out now. I want to change immediately. It's very stressful. It also gets you into this really negative headspace. And so, when I was kind of first starting to realize that mold was an issue and start the protocol, I was a part of these Facebook groups that are all about mold illness and they were so negative that it really brought me down and I finally realized a few months in that I had to stop. I had to get out of those groups because the negativity was not helping me at all. It was stressing me out anymore. It was making me Google even more. It was making me feel hopeless because those people definitely feel hopeless, which I think to some degree I understand. But at the same time, I didn't want to be that person. So that was kind of my first realization that I had something I needed to change, that I did not want to be in that mindset along with those people, that I wanted to stay positive, that I wanted to believe that it would get better soon, that this wouldn't be my new lifestyle. And there were days where that didn't happen. And I was super sad. I was really down in the dumps. I really felt like it wasn't ever going to get better. But I have to say, I made sure those days were few and far between. And actually in the process of getting well, when I was working with the naturopath to heal from the mold illness, he, and I had gotten to a point where I was really making some progress and really getting better quickly. He mentioned that he thought it was my mentality because I went in every appointment as happy as I could, as positive as I could. I was joking with him and really just trying to stay upbeat. And he noticed that. And when you are working with all people who are dealing with mold illness or Lyme disease, don't see that very often. And so he really pointed out to me that he thought the reason why I got well so quickly was because of my mindset and my mentality, because I stayed positive most of the time. I did everything I needed to do in order to stay that way. And when I did have bad days, I did what I needed to do to get out of it. And so these were the things I did. First of all, I journal. And I think journal is different than like having a gratitude journal, although I do practice gratitude and I do recommend gratitude, but sometimes you just need a journal to get out the bad stuff too. Like if you're having a bad day, just talk about it. Just get it out in your journal and it will make you feel so much better because it's not festering in your brain anymore and kind of snowballing. We have a tendency to have things snowball when we are thinking about it, but when it's just out and you've written it out. And now it's out there in the world and you don't have to think about it so much. It really calms it down quickly. So I just write and I still do to this day if I'm having an off day or if I'm even really happy about something and I don't do it every day and I never did do it every day. But when it felt right, I would just pick up a pen, just write some stuff down. It had no rhyme or reason. It didn't mean anything, but it helped a lot just to get my feelings out there. So, I do that still. I think that's really important. Do not let your thoughts and your emotions in your brain spiral out of control. Just get them out before that happens because that's really important to increasing your health status, to not let things fester in your body. And I know a lot of us as women tend to hold things in and we can't do that anymore. So, whether you want to talk about it or not, doesn't matter. Just get it out on paper, get it out somewhere. Of course, I became huge into meditation. So I still do, of course, meditate. That was something that was really hard for me to get into because like I said, I was a go, go, go person. I never let myself get into parasympathetic mode, very type A. And to just sit there and do nothing essentially for 10 minutes a day was very hard for me. And I know that's a reason why a lot of you don't do it because you are not good at it. It feels like a waste of time. You'd rather be doing something else. You start creating your grocery list in your head while you're sitting there, all that stuff. I was that person too. I kept doing it. I kept trying. And within a few months, I would say I at least felt like it was doing something. Now, I was still probably only meditating about 45 seconds of the 10 minutes that I was sitting there, but it was actually starting to get me into parasympathetic mode. I enjoyed my time sitting there and I felt like it was reducing my stress level. So I did start feeling that after a few months and that's what kept me going. And so now, you know, it's probably been... "Mm." maybe three years since I started meditating. And it's a just a habit now. It's something that is hugely important to my life and makes a big difference and keeps me on this stress relief. But that is part of the mindset piece over the stress relief techniques, although it is a stress relieving technique too, of course, like I mentioned, but it's really more so a mindset shift for me because of what it does to create a sense of calmness within you. And when you are calm, More of the day, you can really start understanding your emotions and your mindset, and you can really start to recognize things that get you out of that calmness. And that's why it's more mindset for me. So, yes, it's great for your stress, but it's also great for your mindset. I will tell you, it is like an essential part, just as much as keto and movement and all that stuff is so great for your future health. So is meditating. It needs to be a part of all of our lives. Do you have to do it every day? No, but you should make it a practice. You should start getting into some sort of habit with it, whether that's every other day or on the weekends or something like that. It could be two minutes a day. It can be 20 minutes a day, but just find a spot that you feel comfortable doing and really make that a habit. I use apps. Right now I'm using the Insight Timer app. It's free. It's great. I really love it. So I recommend that one. I've used Headspace for a long time. That one's great too. So just find an app that fits you and what you want and need and and feel good doing. So the third thing I want to talk about in the mindset aspect is something that requires way more time, (laughs) but I'm just going to mention it here. And that is visualization. So while I was sick, I visualized myself being well. I visualized what I would do, how fast I would move, how much energy I would have, the great sleep I would get and how energized I would feel jumping on a bed in the morning, the time I would spend with my friends and what we would do. Everything that I wanted, I pictured myself getting there. That will change your mindset so fast because you won't be stuck in how the present is going or what happens more often, not getting what you want, which is the cycle of thought that we're usually in where we just focus on that negative stuff that we don't want to happen and we fear that it will happen. And then we think about all the things that will come about when that bad thing does happen. Instead of that, you are focusing on all the good things and you're knowing that's going to happen. You are actually seeing it happen. You're feeling what it feels like when it happens. And I will tell you the most powerful thing. So just try it. Just try it right now. As soon as we're done with this episode, which will be done in a few minutes, I want you to sit, close your eyes and think about what you want. So once you have decided what you want, and it doesn't have to be health-wise, it could be anything. It could be like how much money you want to make or the job you want to have or the relationship you want. Think about that and then see it. See what you will be doing when you do make that money, when you do have that person in your life. How does it feel? That stuff is so powerful, my friends. I would really love it if more of you got into that on a regular basis. That's what I did because I had to. I couldn't stay in that mindset of not knowing what was going to happen or fearing that my life would never change. I had to know that it would and then visualize how it would look and then feel how it would feel. And that is a key point to changing your mentality and becoming more positive because as soon as you start visualizing that stuff, guess what happens? It starts happening. I promise you. And this is where we need more time to talk about that because I can explain how that works. And then lastly, as a mindset change, being grateful. So again, along with the visualization, you're picturing what you want and being excited about what you want and when that happens. But at the same time, you're staying in the present and being grateful for what you currently have. So again, we're getting out of that habit of thinking about the negative and thinking about the past, and thinking about what could happen that would go wrong, and instead we're just celebrating what's going right. That's all it is. With your gratitude, just celebrate what's going right. If you want to add that to your journal, I think that would be awesome. It's always great to get those out and even go back through them, but you can also just kind of think about it. Just every day, wake up and just be like, hmm, I'm grateful for this today. Or before you go to bed, today was a great day because Just simple things like that, where you're just replaying and getting yourself into the present, but into the positive present. That's huge, huge, huge. So do that. Make that a habit too. That's what I have done. All four of those things, the journaling, the meditation, the visualization, and the gratitude are all things that are habits for me now. That is just how I live life. And I cannot not do them. Because I refuse to get into any other space, but a positive mentality for the rest of my life. Because I've seen now with the changes in my health and with how quickly I was able to get well, that that is an essential piece. That that for me, and I think it's going to be the case for you too, is the reason why I am where I am. Yeah, it's all these other things that I'm doing too, but if I did all of these other things and hadn't thought about my mindset shift and getting into a positive mentality around everything, I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today as far as how healthy I am and how happy I am and what I have in my life. So that's kind of what I talked about in the Going Beyond the Food project, so hopefully you can still get your hands on that, but we'll talk about it more here hopefully on Keto for Women too if that's something that you want to hear more about. All right, so that was the top five. We have five more to go, which like I mentioned is going to be about stress. It's going to be about making connections. It's gonna be about all the tests that you need to run on yourself. So like I mentioned, that yearly blood test, what does that include? It will be seeking other outside help if you need to and just finding ways to be happy. So we'll talk about all those next week on the Keto for Women show. Until then, take care, keep in touch and spread the word so we can start breaking down this barrier of health. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.